Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. In today's episode, we're going to talk to a woman who was a victim of a mass shooting in 2001 and hear how she dealt with both the physical injuries and the mental aspects of this horrific event. As well, she's going to tell us about her husband's work accident and the severe injuries and surgeries he endured. So buckle up, folks. And joining us from Illinois to share her story and that of her husband is Dana Smith. Dana, before we begin, I want to know if you're comfortable emotionally in taking us through that horrific day of the shooting. Uh, yes, I am. I appreciate you asking. Um, if I sound like I'm getting choked up or have tears come to my eyes, I may, but I am happy to, I am an advocate for medicinal marijuana, so I will go through the story from the beginning to end. Okay. Gladly sharing okay. it with your audience. Now, take us through what happened on that day. So, I was at a sports bar with friends and family on Good Friday, April 13th, 2001, when a patron of the bar had an unpleasant experience and was thrown out and had gone home and shaved his head haphazardly put on military fatigues and a gas mask and came in with assault rifles and 200 rounds of ammunition, I guess, intending to just blow the place away. Mm -hmm. Um, He charged in by shooting out the door, came in and was randomly shooting at people, at the walls, at the music, at the DJ station, and was demanding to get to the person that had thrown him out but obviously none of the patrons in the bar knew what he was talking about and was you know scared people were locked in coolers and under bars and my group was you know crouched under pub tables and he grabbed the young lady that was in front of me again talking crazy asking for this person that she didn't know what he was talking about or who he was referring to He had hit her in the head with the butt of his gun. She was knocked out on the floor. And I had at that time thought for whatever reason that I had to take a good look at this person because I figured I would have to describe him to the police later. And I wanted every detail I could possibly remember. And when I made eye contact with him, he shot me. Um, At the time, I did not know where. I looked down and saw that it was in my leg. I was bleeding profusely and immediately went into shock. Um, I remember crouching and turning to a friend and saying, I have to get out of here because I thought at the time I was going to bleed to death or die. I didn't know. I mean, your brain, I can't really describe in words what that actually feels like and how your mind is racing. However, I came up with this plan that if I grabbed a bar stool and chucked it across the room, it would create enough of a diversion for me to run out, which I did not realize the extent of my injuries at the time. 
when I did that, I did hop up and fell flat on my face because my lower leg under about halfway between my knee and my ankle was completely shattered. Mm. And I'm because now I'm face down on the ground, I'm starting to like army crawl out. I don't know the commotion going on behind me, but it was at that time that uh, the police had arrived on the scene and I actually said something to the officer as he was coming in that I needed help. And he's like, help is on the way. And he actually had to step over me to get to the criminally insane person that was shooting up the bar and you know then screams ensued people are running out the police take him down all i know is somebody two young men running out the door noticed me i asked for help they picked me up one carried me one carried my leg because i was afraid at the time that it was gonna it felt like it was not attached to me anymore i was afraid it was going to actually fall off um i, I didn't know um so they brought me out to the parking lot where they were already triaging the other people, various injuries from the the what, what ensued inside. People were pushed, shoved, crushed, you know, in addition to the 17 people that were shot. Um, so at, after that, the side effects, after I had, you know, I was taken to the hospital, I had surgery, I have two plates and 12 screws in my leg putting my tibia and my fibula and part of my ankle back together. Mm. I was in the hospital for a number of days. And when I went home is when all of the PTSD sets in and the mental ramifications and the physical pain. I couldn't move. I couldn't, my entire body from head to toe felt like it was on fire. Um, I was absolutely miserable. And at, First, my husband, now again, and this was in 2001, mm -hmm. my husband was suggesting that maybe I needed to smoke some weed, and I'm a child of the Reagan era. I said no to drugs. I was absolutely dead set against it. But then as my, these injuries, the physical and mental ramifications of it were getting worse and worse, I got to a point where I was desperate. So I did try it, and it was the first time since that shooting that I actually was able to enjoy my friends and family that evening. I watched a movie, I laughed, I slept well, and I was immediately starting to get better, having been not doing well and abusing my pharmaceutical medications and, you know, contemplating suicide because I couldn't at the time figure how my life was going to be what it was and what I lost and that I wasn't going to be able to survive in the world where I had to heal from living through this situation. You know, Dan, um, listening to your story, I, I just can't imagine what you went through emotionally. I mean, the physical injuries uh, are one thing, but the emotional impact, because you have this, uh, these screws in your leg, right? And you have a titanium plate, uh, two titanium plates, and 12 screws in your lower right leg. And it is a constant reminder of what happened. Correct? I mean, yes. And with every step I take, I, that's kind of where I saw, because I don't have any feeling. Really, it's almost like that pins and needles feeling. Mm -hmm. Rather, there's a lot of the leg that I, I don't have any feeling in. So 
I I did have to learn to cope with the way that, in addition to the physical pain, the difference, the way your extremity feels, because it feels like it's not there. Now, when the Dana, do- I can't even imagine. That, it just must have been all so overwhelming, because you've got that whole emotional component, as Ian said, too. I mean, how do you even go about your day and try and block that out and, and carry on? It, it's just, wow. When you did cannabis the first time, it was in the form of just smoking it? Yeah. You know, my husband got me a bag and a bowl, and I said, I might as well. You know, I just, I didn't want to. I had been around it in high school. I didn't, I wasn't interested. I was, I guess I was afraid. I didn't have any education. I wasn't told what it could do benefit-wise. It was just there to be abused, to get stoned. It wasn't considered at that time. Did I even have any clue that it could be? A medication. Do you so, currently do you take it in any other form besides smoking? I do. I take tinctures and capsules and gummies. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you when the doctors dealt with your physical injuries, were you given any assistance with the emotional impact of this incident? Yes, it was offered through the state. I mean, there's programs in place for victims of violent crimes to get the counseling or necessary assistance that they need. So I did go through um, a series of counseling to help cope emotionally and kind of integrate you back into society. But, um, you know, I was 26 years old at the time I was newly married. I was in denial really that I needed that type of emotional support. I, when I look back on it, I wasn't even really being honest with my therapist at the time of what was really bothering me. Cause I had never been in therapy. I had never experienced something so horrific. I was numb most of the time. So I think I, I kind of just did what I could get to, but then I also couldn't drive. So if I didn't have a ride, I couldn't get there. So mm-hmm. if I had it to do over, I would take it more seriously because I appreciate now what was trying to be done for me, but I wasn't in the right place or headspace at that time to even take advantage of what was being offered to me. Dana, when you when you smoked uh, the cannabis for the very first time, and it obviously had an impact on you, uh, your emotional, your emotions. Um, did suicide ever enter into your life after that? Uh, well, prior, you know, it was just wishing more that I had died rather than having to try to live through the physical pain of mm-hmm. the injuries. Um, but what smoking did for me at the time was help me assess the situation. It basically revealed myself to me that I wanted better, that this was just an experience that didn't have to define me. It allowed me to think clearly, which none of the pharmaceuticals I had at the time allowed me to do, to process and to live what, you know, and accept that experience as mine. So I feel that I, it helped me not even go down that road. 
mm-hmm. of contemplating it because I was, it was the first time I was actually clear, clearly thinking and able to be matter of fact about what happened and, you know, put a goal in place for myself to get better both physically and emotionally. And that I had itself and must I, have been incredible just to get that feeling back. Yeah. And it, and it, it was, it, it was unfortunate that it kind of had to be done behind closed doors. Like I couldn't advocate at the time or I couldn't talk about it because it was so frowned upon and I didn't want to even worry my parents that it was going to be a gateway to me abusing other drugs. It really was something I did with out of desperation, but then it also gave me the relief I needed from the pain. It gave me the, little bit of joy that I needed to experience at this horrific time of my life. And I just, you know, used it responsibly, but kept it to myself. Dana, when did you start using other forms of cannabis other than smoking? So after about 18 months of physical therapy and, you know, I had to return to work, I kind of, I stopped use smoking it as much And then just here and there as needed, only because, again, I had to return to a professional world. I could be drug tested for use of THC. So I, you know, it was very sparingly. But then my husband was injured in an accident at work in 2012. And his, he went through 14 spinal surgeries. He was on an absurd amount of opiates and his pain doctor recommended he get his medical marijuana card and he was sold again desperate for relief and he started using RSO and almost after the first dose he felt immediately better and within 30 days of regular use of the RSO he was physically moving again he hadn't taken a pain pill not one since the first dose of RSO. Um, And within three months, he had lost a significant amount of weight to date. He lost 108 pounds. He's back to work full time. And um, after a few months of working with the patients and the owner in the dispensary, they actually offered him a job. Mm -hmm. And he started off as a bud tender and after, you know, watching this miraculously improve his quality of life he told me I should give it a try and I went and saw a doctor told him my story I got my card and after the first sublingual tincture I felt my anxiety almost melt away the first week it was the first time in over a decade that I didn't have a nightmare I slept through soundly and I have never turned back. That is amazing. What a relief that must have been, eh? Oh, it was, I mean, it's miraculous. So it's it's amazing. I don't think now since getting my card in 2017, I've had a nightmare. And I went, I had five to six a week where I would wake up screeching, crying, screaming, sweating. I mean, I had horrific PTSD nightmares and just thought that was going to be the rest of my life. And now I know that you can improve the quality of life with, you know, the proper product or the proper means of, you know, your con- the consumption method you're comfortable with and the product and the 
the ratio of THC to CBD that you're comfortable with is when you find that it's miraculous. Dana, can I ask you, I, I know, uh, you know, it goes without saying, obviously, that this event just, you know, had a huge impact on your life and, and changed you. Did it change your relationships with your friends? Uh, yes, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. There was a lot of people that didn't know how to deal with me post-incident mm. because I was miserable um i was temporarily handicapped like i couldn't go anywhere without assistance um and then there's people that are that i think just shy away because they don't know what to say so they don't say anything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a very interesting question uh from Corey because people don't know how to deal with this and I think if we weren't doing a cannabis podcast and we were just doing a podcast on something else and you had not taken um, medical cannabis, I don't think, given the horrific events that you endured, that you could have really taken us through the story as comfortably as you did today. I agree. Yeah. So cannabis really was a game changer for you in terms of your mental and emotional state. And I think, I don't think, Corey, we've ever interviewed anyone who has gone through uh, an incident like this before in more than 340 interviews we've done. No, no, this is the first one. I mean, the closest to that would be that woman that was kidnapped. Yeah. But yeah, this is just, it's... Amazing, Dana, that you, you're so calm talking about this. And I know it's taken a long time to heal and will probably be a lifelong event for you. But I'm really, really glad that you've got some peace of sorts now. As am I. I'm thankful that this cannabis revolution has given me the option to treat my PTSD this way because prior it was, it was not, I wasn't comfortable. I ever i wasn't comfortable in public spaces i was you know mm -hmm. very comfortable all the time and this has just given me a means of coping that is not available through traditional pharmaceuticals if i'm being honest i tried them all of which none i none helped none worked they actually made it worse yeah the major so, major husband's uh, situation worse too didn't it i mean he According to the notes you sent us, he, in his work accident in 2012, he broke his back, neck, and shoulder, and you said he went through 14 spinal surgeries. Yes. And some of the surgeries were after he started taking cannabis, and uh, he had no pain medications. None. He refuses them. Boy, that and is... And he, he, was, he was incredibly miserable prior to having his medical card to you know it the the the, med, the pharmaceuticals the opioids didn't agree with him he would get it would change his personality he was very irritable he almost looked gray he was itchy like he would either choose to sit and be completely immobile or take these if he had you know obligations that he had to tend to but he was just miserable 
absolutely miserable. So now he's had subsequent procedures where they can't even believe that he doesn't want to go home with a prescription. He's like, you can that that's not for me. I have my medicine. Dana, what is it? What does a typical day look like for you, uh, cannabis wise, and also for your husband? So we both take a sublingual high CBD tincture and a THC tincture every day. First thing when we wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have um, rescue plans as needed. I do have a vape pen if I feel, you know, a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit anxious about a situation at work or with family or friends or whatever the case is. It's kind of just a safety net. No, it's there. Um, Although I, I use it very sparingly. I don't find myself needing it actually that often. And then we both have um, a, a sleep spray, indica dominant sleep spray. That's about, you know, the, the the sublinguals seem to work the best. And then my husband does like to smoke flower. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a flower fan, but he also has capsules that he fills with RSO. Mm-hmm. So his that's how he treats his pain. Um, pretty much every day he takes a capsule in addition to the sublingual tinctures of RSO. What do you think life would be like without uh, cannabis for both of you? I don't think we would be married. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be all his fault. (laughs) No, I'll take, I'll own a big part of that. Um, Prior to being medicated this way, I was... I'm, you know, my anxiety was off the charts, my PTSD, the nightmares I would have, you know, I'd wake up and then I couldn't go back to sleep. So there were a lot of days where I was half asleep by the afternoon because, you know, just trying to get through the day. And this just improved our quality of life tremendously. And, you know, he was able to be there for me through the worst of it for me. And then I, in turn, was able to be there for him. And it's just been a lifesaver in more ways than one. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating <clears throat> that, I guess, with all the opioids that he was on initially that didn't seem to work, that caused his weight gain or it was his, just his lack of mobility? I think it was the lack of mobility. Like, he could you know, barely walk up the stairs to go to bed or, you know, mm-hmm. he would just have to lay down for hours on end just to, and not move if he just didn't want to be in pain. Yeah. So it was just the sheer lack of movement. And now he's, like I said, he went back to work full time. He's lost 108 pounds, I think, total. I mean, he weighs less now than he did when he graduated high school in 1995. Wow. So he he's, he's thriving. He's managing he's living and he has cannabis to thank for that as do you as do i yeah not only saved your life it saved your marriage absolutely (laughs) (laughs) and your sanity and your sanity sanity. yeah have you told him that oh he knows (laughs) (laughs) he knows and i i you know i have him to think he was 
he kind of always was an advocate for cannabis. He's also a type one diabetic. And I used to give him a hard time prior to, you know, realizing how miraculous and the medicinal benefits that it has. And he would go to his doctor's regular checkups and they would, you know, his eyesight is, he doesn't have what would be typical of somebody who's had diabetes for 30 years. Mm. And the doctors would always say, keep doing what you're doing. And I'd give him a hard time saying, you got to quit smoking. And he'd say, the doctors tell me to keep doing what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And he was right, you know, back then, because now there's significant amount of information and studies and all new research proving how this helps the body achieve homeostasis and that affects every function in the human body mm-hmm. and it he's was teased by the family my family that he's benjamin button he's aging backwards because <laughs> his eyesight is improved his skin is improved his weight is improved his everything everything has improved and you know i'm I am an improved version of myself too. I, you know, when you don't sleep well, the side effects of that are just awful. So, you know, sleeping well, even if that's the only thing that you ever get from using cannabis as medicine is that's irreplaceable. It's priceless. Corey, have you heard what Dana said about sleep? I did. (laughs) You need some. (laughs) (laughs) If that is the number one, and then everything else is just a benefit. Dana, have you remained in contact with any other folks who were involved in the shooting? Besides my husband, no. No. How many people were killed in that shooting? Two. Two. Numerous people injured. Seventeen. Seventeen including yourself. Well, I just, uh, you know, in listening to your story, I, I have to commend you for the process that you've gone through, which I think is really remarkable in using medical cannabis to get you out of this, I guess funk is, is the wrong term. Um, hellhole? Hellhole. Yeah, hellhole get you out of this hellhole and essentially give you your life back. And you've got something to look forward to. And I I suspect that uh, when you were in the hellhole, you had really nothing to look forward to. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that was why I, you know, prayed to die. I mean, I remember, you know, all of the, you go through all the stages of grief, like why me, why me, why did, what did I do to deserve this? And why didn't you, you know, why did you have to, why did I have to experience this? I couldn't imagine my life after, mm-hmm. you know, laying at home, pumped up with pain meds and not being able to move and just being completely miserable. And to have, you know, my husband, like, I'm going to go find you some marijuana and being so desperate, like, fine. I can almost remember that first puff, just the the calm and the, the joy that poured over me just made me see so much clearly what, you know, I was so young. I had so much life ahead of me. The injuries were going to heal. The time was going to pass regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. So I either wanted to be 47 and successfully, you know, a happy marriage with two healthy kids and a beautiful life or miserable because I couldn't come out of that funk. 
and it allowed me to see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel and there is there was and I'm so thankful we're in a space today that this is available to more people on a grander scale in a in a responsible manner and you know that's why I like the opportunity to talk although this happened to me a long time ago I've lived a lot of life post mm-hmm. living through that and I have cannabis to thank for improving the quality of my life because I was able to think clearly at a time when it was so desperately needed. In addition to being able to enjoy family and friends at a time when you need it the most, where I just wanted to crawl into a hole and die. I didn't want to face the world. I didn't want to see people. I didn't want to live. And that gave me the crutch I needed to get better physically and emotionally. How do and that you... was only with my husband's advice, you know, and thus, shh, don't tell anybody, you know. Like, yeah. It was like, how can this be so bad? I struggle to see how it was ever classified that way because it was so, it was such a, it was so needed at such a mm-hmm. desperate time in my life. How do your relatives and other members of your family react to your cannabis use? Well, now it's, you know, it's widely accepted and well known you know now that my husband works in the industry mm-hmm. people I, and i'm at a point too in my life where i don't care if you don't you know i'm if you don't want to hear my story or you don't want to understand where my success with dealing with what i've dealt through came from cannabis then there's there's going to be people that are always going to look down and they those aren't people i want to choose to associate with anymore yeah who my family very open they're very understanding and they're all i think anybody that we talk to and have the opportunity to share our story and then share the products that we've used that work they understand i've got to commend your doctor for giving you a a medical marijuana card too i think um well my doctor actually didn't i had to go find one but oh i see okay (laughs) the medical the the dispensaries have a staff of doctors that do advocate for it because my doctor was like well you can i can't do anything for you you can do what you want but you know i think a lot of doctors still their license depends on mm-hmm. they can't write the script for it or they can't recommend or fill out the paperwork to allow you to you have to find a doctor that's an advocate which i did and i thank him every day because he gave me the opportunity to find a product because i i really don't prefer to smoke i would rather not so having you know, tinctures and tablets and gummies and the stuff that you can do, you know, easily without drawing any sort of attention to yourself as Mm -hmm. to what you're taking or to what you're eating. Smoking is a little bit loud, you know, it's obnoxious. You can't smell it from across the room or you walk in, it's like, whoa, but you know, (laughs) that's fine. That's your consumption method of choice. It's just nice to be a little bit more discreet. Dana, I want to thank you for uh, reaching out to us and doing this. Uh, it was You have a remarkable story to tell, and uh, I think listeners will be fascinated with it. And is there anything in conclusion that you'd like to say? Uh, no, I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing and spreading the word and having people understand that there's a lot of misinformation and you just need to educate yourself and understand that this is 
saving lives. My life, my husband's life is proof in the, that this product is, it's a, it's a better choice and it, it, it can get you where you want to be. Dana, wonderful to talk to you and hear your story and say hi to your husband for us and tell him he did the right thing in getting you to smoke. Yep. <laughs> he probably knows that already, and just yeah. saying. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Dana, thank you so very much for coming forward and sharing your story. Um, you're incredibly courageous. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both so much. It was a pleasure. Take care. And we thank Dana for reaching out to us and uh, telling her remarkable story. And if you have a story you'd like to share with us at Cannabis Health Radio, then send us an email. Just go on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and send us an email with a couple of paragraphs on your story, and uh, we'll uh, be in contact with you. And that's exactly what Dana did. And uh, she changed her life, and I'm sure her story will have an impact on others as well. And as we always do at the end of the podcast, if you'd like to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do it. You can become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month. And you can also make a one-time donation through our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. $5 a month on Patreon and um, the one-time donation. All on our website, a little window will pop down, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're very grateful for your support. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.